0: things I want to mention before we get into God's word today. Uh, First of all, you folks sounded amazing. Could you hear each other singing today? There is nothing more beautiful than God's people declaring his praise, lifting their voice in song. So uh, good job this morning. Uh, Do it with all your heart as unto the Lord. Amen. Number two, we have a big announcement at the end of the service that you are not going to want to miss. And so uh, be sure to stick around until the very end. And if you do miss, uh, you have to leave early or whatever the case might be, you can go on to our website and there you can watch. uh, You know, all the services are there, uh, both the teaching, but also the entire service with all the music and everything that you can click on the link. Okay, here's the big question. That's why we're here. Are you ready? Are you ready to study God's Word today? Yeah. Amen. Okay, we're in Galatians chapter 5 for the very last time. This is the end of our series. Some people, I, I, I cannot tell you how many conversations I had out in the atrium this morning where people were saying, guess what I am, guess what I am, In their personality types. People have been uh, really enjoying this as we have used it to Uh, to look at how God wants to develop our character. But one of the questions that we've been wrestling with is this question of why did God create so many different types of people? And 1 Corinthians chapter 12 gives part of that answer. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 14 says, The body has many different parts, not just one part. And if the foot says, well, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, in other words, I'm not as talented or gifted as that part of the body in in certain areas, there are certain things that I cannot do as well as that other person can do, but that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am only an ear and not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? Suppose the whole body were an eyeball, then how would you hear? Or if your whole body were just one big ear, how would you smell anything? And so just imagine, sometimes we we look at people who act differently than we do and think differently than we do and talk differently than we do, and we think, why can't they be more like who? Like me because we just don't understand other people who are not wired like us. What is wrong with those people? And yet scripture says there is value in our differences. In fact, when you bring together all of our strengths without any of our weaknesses, what you would have is a pretty good picture of what God is like. And so we've been looking at that in our DISC profile with the four major personality types. The first week we looked at those who were Uh, the D personalities who are dominating and directing and demanding and decisive. If you are trying to make a decision and you don't know what to do with your life, just ask a D, they will be glad to tell you. Uh, if, if you, uh, If you find yourself when someone says it can't be done, taking that as a personal challenge to prove that it can be done, you are probably a D. Ds are very competitive, it doesn't matter if it's uh, at sports, or uh, Old Maid, or Go Fish, or Tiddlywinks. D's want to win. Then the next week we talked about the S personalities, who we used the keywords who are more steady and stable, uh, servant-hearted, sometimes maybe a little more shy. Uh, These are the peacemakers. They're the ones who help us all get along better, because they're not looking to fight. Some of the other personality, Types are ready to fight over issues. And these people will say, you know, let's get along. In fact, we said, thank God for the S's because otherwise the D's and the C's would kill each other and the I's would make the funeral the social event of the year. Remember. And so uh, last week we focused on the C personalities, uh, people who are more conscientious and contemplative. Uh, if you find yourself thinking critically and maybe sometimes even over analyzing things, making things a little more complicated than they really need to be. If sometimes you have perfectionist tendencies, maybe even at times compulsive tendencies, then you are probably a C. Uh, Tracy and I have uh, some friends who have a, a, a boy who is Seth's age. and uh, But years and years ago, I remember uh, when he was just little, they were driving by a church. And this particular church in their city had flags from countries all around the world. And, uh, you know, people in Canada love our maple leaf flag. But, you know, in the States, it's, you know, every, every time the flag goes up, people have to say the Pledge of Allegiance. It's a very American thing, the Pledge of Allegiance. And so uh, when he drove by and he saw all these flags at their church in Michigan, uh, there were like a hundred different countries represented. As they, you know, communicate the mission of we're here for the world, to reach the world with the good news of Jesus. And, and he, as they drove by, their son asked, what is, what is with what all those flags? What is that place? And his dad said, well, it's a church. And, and he said, man, it must take a long time to pledge of allegiance there. <laughs> uh, that, that's thinking like a C personality. Uh, But today we're focusing on the I personalities. Eyes are the life of the party. They are more, uh, yes, in case there was any doubt. Uh, Eyes are inspiring and impressing and interactive. Uh, And so each week we've talked about the old saying, if it ain't broke, here we go, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And we said that D's hate that saying because they think everything is broken and it's their job to fix it. That S's are the ones who made up that saying because if fixing it is going to cause people uh, to be distressed, they don't want to rock the boat, and so they'd probably rather leave it the way that it is. That C's think that everything is broken as well, and they think through and kind of are always analyzing and focusing on what's wrong with the situation, but are less likely than D's to jump in and just do it. They're a little more prone to be cautious as they try to think things through, a little less prone to jump to action. Well, meanwhile, eyes will say, what, was something broken? I didn't even notice. Uh, Because eyes are less focused on problems and more focused on people. And so let's talk about a few of the ideas of what is up with the S's in your notes. Number one, eyes want and need to be with people eyes love to talk it doesn't matter where or even if anybody is listening they like to talk now my son Seth as he has gotten older he gave me permission to share some stories from his childhood he has very much developed into an S and a C personality a lot like his mother in that way and so but when he was little man it was all I all the time because often when you grow and develop in your life or in your different circumstances and different jobs and different contexts, you will find different aspects of your personality, strengthening or changing in different contexts. And so uh, for me, if I was not in the job that God had called me to, I probably would not operate nearly as much in the D category uh, as as I would if I was not in a leadership position. And so uh, when he was younger, uh, the example of an I was... You know when you go out in public and you tell a child, don't talk to strangers, that was completely irrelevant to Seth because there was no such thing as a stranger. He would talk to anybody about anything. It made trips to the grocery store very interesting uh, because you never knew what was going to happen. One time I was walking down the hall at our house and I could hear him in the bathroom talking. And I said to Tracy, who was in the bathroom with Seth? She said, nobody. I said, well, who is he talking to? She said, anybody who happens to walk by. And uh, one time we were sitting at the dinner table, and he said, there's a party going on. And I was like, what? I said, a party where? He said, there's a party in my head. And and that is an I thing to say. There is a party in my head. Now, again, he has developed much more as an S&C as he has gotten older, but that really stands out as an eye characteristic eyes are outgoing they have lots of friends one of the things that I want to mention in relation to that is something that we have this Wednesday night uh, we have a seminar how to share your faith how to talk with people about Jesus how to invite people to church how to go out into the community and respectfully share Christ respectfully and gently as first peter tells us to do respectfully and gently to share Christ with people But I was thinking about that seminar this Wednesday night that hopefully all of you will be able to come to uh, here in the Life Center. But uh, I I was thinking about how the uh, the S's and the C's coming to a seminar like this, the idea of actually opening your mouth and talking to people about Jesus is terrifying. Uh, In fact, maybe you're even nervous about coming to that seminar because you're afraid that people will make you talk. Uh, but for an I, they love this idea. They'll talk to anybody about anything uh, because I's are very social. Number two, I's prefer for things to be positive. If things are not going well in your life, if you're in a bad mood, if you're down in the dumps, you're, you're not feeling very well, a D personality will say, suck it up, buttercup, get over it. A, a C will tell you all the reasons That you got yourself into this mess in the first place. (laughs) But an eye will come along and say, it's gonna be okay. Things are gonna get better. Let's look at the bright side. Number three, eyes are not as concerned about rules. Uh, Eyes do not get bogged down in the details. Eyes think outside the box. D's say, I will build the box, you get in. S's say, that looks like a pretty nice box. <laughs> C's ask, did you build that box according to the specs? Are you sure you did it right? But meanwhile, an I says, what box? I don't see any box. Because here's, here's one of the things that unique, is unique about the I personalities, and this is the reason that we have saved it until the end, that, that the other three major personality types are governed by how they interact with the rules. With the boundaries. But an I is not as concerned about the rules and the boundaries. An I wants excitement and adventure. Now, as you can imagine, these are really great qualities. In fact, if we were to be honest, many of the rest of us in our personality types wish that we were more like you. Uh, having charisma and charm and energy and passion, these are wonderful qualities. Uh, Robin Williams was an example of an I personality. Check this out. God. It's your
1: residence, ma'am.
2: Yes, yeah. sorry to say it is.
1: Are you aware that it's illegal to possess animals of a barnyard nature in a residential area, man? What
2: if you're married, you
1: married one? Also, responding to a noise ordinance violation. me,
2: I'm going to respond myself. I'm awfully sorry about this. I'll get back. You ate my begonias! God!
1: Honey, honey, what are you looking for? Honey, I'd be careful that Pony had a lot of water. Party's over.
0: (laughs) Eyes want for things to be exciting, but sometimes it's not as fun when the party is over. And then maybe there are times that you've gotten in trouble Uh, where maybe you didn't follow through on a commitment because you wanted to do everything with everybody, you wanted to please everybody. And so the good news is that God wants to develop our character and make us to be more like Jesus. And so really this last month for the five weeks of this series, really this has been a study of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. These are God's goals for our character development. If anybody asks you, what is a Christian supposed to look like? What is a Christian supposed to live like? What does it mean to be like Jesus? The answer is here in Galatians chapter 5. We call it the fruit of the Spirit. Let's read it out loud together. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let's do it one more time because I promised by the end of the month we would get these memorized. Here we go. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And all of us have strong areas and also areas that we are weak in which often correlate with our personality type. And so some of the areas that we need help in growing in our spiritual lives, helped by the the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, the first week for the D's, we said that love, kindness, and gentleness might be areas where God could help us grow. Uh, the next week, we looked at S personalities, and we identified goodness and faithfulness as potential growth areas. Goodness being not just being good, but actually standing up for the good, having courage to stand up against injustice in the world. And faithfulness meaning being so filled with faith that we make risky decisions in obedience to God's leading in our lives. And so then uh, for the C personalities, we looked at joy and Peace, that the joy of the Lord can fill us and that that comes from being under the control of the master of erene, the Greek word here for peace, that Jesus is the master of the wind and the waves in our lives. So what's left? What's left for the eyes? What are they? Patience and self-control. They just couldn't keep themselves from speaking up, right? Patience and self... What's that? Yeah, there's another I personality. Uh, I, I, I know that we're talking about self-control. I feel like today I'm losing crowd control. <laughs> uh, and so uh, let's, let's talk about self-control first. In your notes, number one, the Greek word here, because remember the New Testament was written in Greek, and so the Greek word here for the fruit of the Spirit is egg Everybody say egg krateia. Uh, it sounds like a, a breakfast dish, doesn't it? Something you'd have with coffee. I'll have some egg cretea. And uh, so the definition is having mastery over one's desires. A great example of an I personality is the Apostle Peter. Each week we've looked at an example in Scripture, and the character study today is the Apostle Peter. Now, I know many times that I think of Peter as a D but if you think about it, many of his characteristics were, in fact, I characteristics. In fact, do you remember the time when, uh, if you've ever read in the New Testament, the story of Peter who uh, said to Jesus one day, near the end of Jesus' time here on this earth, he said, Jesus, man, I'm, I'm always going to be here for you, brother. I love you, man. I'm always going to be your bro. And and everybody was like, oh man, Peter, man, look at, he's so out there in his faith. He's so, you know, just exuberant and passionate about Jesus. And so uh, Jesus looks and says, but Peter, there, there, there is going to come a time, in fact, this very evening, when you will deny me three times. And sure enough, that night, Peter was sitting around a campfire And people were bad-mouthing Jesus. They were talking bad about the disciples, all these followers of Christ, and Peter was kind of shrinking into the corner. And all of a sudden, somebody called him out, and they said, hey, you, you are one of those disciples of Jesus, aren't you? And in that moment, Peter gave in to the pressure. He gave in to the crowd, seeking the acceptance and the approval of others. But later on in his life, as he grew through this experience, he talked about how God develops in us this fruit of Ekritaea. 1 Peter chapter 2 is later on in Peter's life. He teaches us, he says, dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers. So notice what he's saying about this this discipline of self-control in our lives, that that as God grows us in our faith, that, that we will have the courage to stand out from the crowd as aliens and strangers in this world, that we will not always have to fit in and get along with everybody in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul, that there is a battle going on for our souls. So live such good lives among the pagans that though they may accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. That God wants to develop in us the power to stand against the culture, to go against the crowd at times, to be countercultural the power to overcome our bad habits and desires, the power to become disciplined and focused in our lives. The Bible even gives us this picture of an athlete who is training for competition. Look at 1 Corinthians 9, verse 25. It says, Everyone who competes in the games, goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And so what about the other fruit of the Spirit, patience? Now, when we think of patience, often we think of patience in terms of being patient for change to happen. Or being Patient uh, when it comes to waiting for something. But in fact, the word here in the fruit of the Spirit is macrothumia. Everybody say macrothumia. macrothumia. And the definition is long suffering towards other people, not just circumstances being patient with people. Greek expert William Barclay says, generally speaking, this word is not used of patience in regards to things or events, but in regard to people. It is the grace of the man who could revenge himself and does not. The man who is slow to wrath. Barclay continues, the most illuminating, the most illuminating thing about this word is that it is commonly used in the New Testament of the attitude of God towards men. If God had been a man, he would have wiped out this world a long time ago because He just, if, if God were a man, he would not put up with us. But he, as God, has that patience which bears with us in all of our sinning. Now, why is this concept of macrothemia, patience, sometimes difficult for eye personalities? Well, because eyes are so outgoing and verbal and energetic and passionate, sometimes is it possible that you can become impatient with people who are not like you? Come on, why can't you get with the program? Let's do something fun. See, D's and I's are both proactive and want for change to happen. But here's the difference. A D tries to change things. An I tries to change other people. A D is impatient with circumstances. An I becomes impatient with other people. And this can lead to one of the greatest frustrations in our lives because it is a whole lot easier to change things than it is to change other people. Am I right? It is a lot easier to change things than to change people. And so this word macrothomia is the patience that God has for us. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 8 and 9. Again, this is our case study, the Apostle Peter. He says, all of you, Live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers and sisters. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Return insults with blessing. Again, these are the words of Peter, the very guy who struggled with patience and self-control, and seeking the acceptance of others. And yet God developed these fruit of the Spirit in his life. And so like Peter, how does God grow us? How about number one, in times of confession? That was definitely the case in Peter's life. Many times he had to confess to God and to others when he had done wrong. In Luke chapter 6, verse 41 and 42, Jesus said, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? Now, sometimes, a word of caution here, though. Sometimes we can actually even use confession as a way to get people's attention to get sympathy from other people. Sometimes we can talk about our problems too much, which is why, number two, God grows us in times of solitude. In times of solitude. Now, if you ever wonder, what is the difference between an extrovert and an introvert? And you say, well, I'm not sure which one I am. And everybody is a balance of some. You know, not many people are absolutely, completely on the extreme ends here. But the difference between an extrovert and an introvert is basically this. Are your batteries drained by being around people? Or are your batteries charged by being around other people? If you can answer that question, are your batteries drained by being around people? Or are your batteries, is your energy level uh, filled up, charged by being around other people. And obviously for eyes, most eyes are extroverts. But you may, maybe you love to be around people. It energizes you and excites you. But listen very carefully. We need to make sure that our life source comes from God and not from the party. And maybe there are times in your life when you have gotten into trouble, you have gotten off track because you are seeking the acceptance and approval of other people. But but what that is not what should define us. See, other people and what they think of us should not define our identity. Our identity needs to be defined by God and what He thinks of us. And that's why one of the most <laughs> It, do, you, do you think identity issues are a big deal for us in the world today? And, and, and so much worrying about what other people think, which is why one of the most beneficial things that we can do in our lives is to pull away from the crowd, to separate ourselves from other people so that we stop putting on a show and worrying about what everybody else thinks and simply get with our Bible in a time of prayer, with our Heavenly Father, and ask what He thinks. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where He prayed. Jesus got up early in the morning, went off away from everybody else to a solitary place to pray. Now I want you to think about this for a second. If Jesus needed alone time with his Father in order to stay spiritually in tune, how much more do you and I need it? Because who are we talking about? We're talking about Jesus, the only perfect man to ever live, the Son of God, more spiritually in tune than any other human being. If Jesus needed times of solitude, with his heavenly father how much more do you need it this one factor alone could explain much of the dysfunction in our lives as christians and so with that in mind uh, next week we are going to start a new series it's just going to be a sh- a short series In November Uh, but the series will be called rhythm The, the rhythms of life and many times we get we get out of sync we get out of rhythm in our lives because of this factor we go 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 busy 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 doing everything for everybody meeting everybody else's expectations and what we really need many times is to pull back from the crowd and do what Jesus did to spend time with your Heavenly Father. Number three, in times of anonymity, sometimes we need to do secret acts of kindness. Do something good without letting anybody else know what you have done. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 2, when you give to the needy, when you do acts of kindness, when you help people, Do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. Hey, look at what I did. Aren't I great? But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. One of the most fulfilling things that you can do is a secret act of kindness, Uh, maybe a gift of money, a note of encouragement. Now, Now, understand the principle here. This is not saying that everything you do has to be in secret. That's not what this means. What it means is the motive matters, that when you do good things, And when you do spiritual and religious things, because this talks both about both, this passage, both the things that we're focusing on. It talks about solitude in prayer and also acts of kindness and good deeds. That that in both of these areas, your motive really does matter. And so the question is, am I doing this to impress other people? Or am I doing it for God? Because Scripture says if you, if you do these things just to impress other people, the only reward you will get is that little momentary second where like, oh wow, you are so amazing. And then it's gone. Your reward vanishes in a moment. But Scripture says when you do your act of kindness, when you operate in your spiritual life, not to impress other people, but simply because of your love for your Heavenly Father and your love for others. Scripture says that reward will be waiting for you when you get to heaven. Even if nobody else knows, you will be rewarded. And so today we have two challenges, two things we want to ask if you will commit to do this week. Will you set a time for some solitude, time with God, And will you, number two, ask God if there is one secret act of kindness that you can do this week? And so we're just going to actually give you some quiet time to do that. We are going to have the lights come down and just create an environment where you can close your eyes and spend some time with your Heavenly Father and ask Him, Lord, how can I apply this discipline of solitude to my life? For, for some of you, the, these few moments of quiet here are going to be some of the, the, uh, the, the most quiet you have had all week long. And number two, will you ask for God to speak to you right now and reveal something that you can do for someone A secret act of kindness. So let's just spend a few quiet moments between you and God. Allow him to speak and minister to your heart. Yes so Heavenly Father that this would be the prayer of our hearts that even as the winds and the waves and the storms surround us, even as battle rages in this world even as Satan seeks to destroy and confuse us that we would stay centered in your will there would be peace in our hearts and for anyone here today who has never made that decision understand that it begins with a commitment to Christ that Jesus died on the cross so that you and I can be forgiven for the punishment for sin is death even all the way back in in Judaism from which we have come that thousands of years ago as God was pouring out His covenant with the people of Israel, it was so that they could be a blessing, but forgiveness of sin all the way back even to the Garden of Eden, the punishment for sin is death. Blood had to be shed. And so many times an animal would die in your place and you would put your sins upon that animal and it would die so that you could be forgiven because God's justice must be avenged. And so Jesus came to be the perfect Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice that we put our sins upon him and he died on the cross so that we can be forgiven and we don't have to do it every week or every month or every year, that when he forgives us, it is once and for all we become children of the Most High King. And if you've never made that decision today, would you just open your heart right now And as you close your eyes and speak these words to your Heavenly Father, would you just tell him, Lord, I have tried everything else in this world and nothing satisfies. But I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I confess and receive his forgiveness. Come into my life and make me whole that in me you might develop these characteristics of love and joy and peace, patience and kindness and gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And from this point forward in my life, I will choose to serve you for your glory, in Jesus' name, and everybody say amen, amen, amen. Amen. Could we bring the house lights up, and uh, I want to make sure I get a good look at you. Uh, If you made a decision for Christ today, uh, we want to make sure, look, this is not just a okay, well, I, I prayed a little prayer. What does that mean now? Uh, I can just go and, you know, do whatever, and hopefully things are going to work out. No, there are steps to discipleship. We want to help you take next steps. And so we want to make sure on your way out, there are ushers at each door. Uh, they have a little name badge on, and, uh, and you just tell them, I'd like one of those books. And in it, it has a Connect card, and if you would write Decision, check the box that says Decision. Give us your name. You can give it to them. You can uh, give it to one of our pastors. You can take it to starting point, uh, where at the end of the service, go to starting point. And if this is your first time here, they would love to greet you and welcome you and give you a free gift. Uh, But we want to help you get started in this faith journey. You don't have to walk alone. That's why the church is here, so that we can grow in Christ together. Amen? Amen? Amen. Are you ready for a big announcement? In order to give you this announcement, let me give you some context about what we seek to be and do as a church, that really we have over these last three months as a staff and as a board been exploring the three biblical directions, the three biblical purposes of not just this church, but any church. And we are continually refining behind the scenes. We've really been working on, in many different contexts, how to implement this. And and a lot of it uh, will be rolled out in the next year in ways that I hope you will find really exciting and relevant for your life. But uh, these three directions are, first of all, God, that just as we prayed, everything begins and ends with our relationship with God reaching up. And that as we do that, God pours down into our lives as we reach in and grow together in the body of Christ. This represents the church; it represents our lives. And we, we, we—part uh, of what we're going to do is right now we have a number of community groups and small groups throughout the church that help us in this goal, but we can do so much better. And next year, I can't wait as we begin to roll out our reaching in strategy. But it doesn't end there. That it's not just God and us. That the reason he pours in to us is so that we can go out and share the good news with the world. And so we are so excited about this vision because uh, right now Pastor Nathan's responsibility in the outreach department is we are developing strategies for reaching out in a missional way uh, that, that will continue to be rolled out in the coming year or so. Uh, in fact, uh, we have been a catalyst. Steve Truman here in the church is serving as a volunteer staff member now, serving as a catalyst to bring together churches parachurch ministries, and government and social organizations to tackle the issue of human trafficking in our city. We have some seriously aggressive goals that we are going to be going after in the next year. But as we do that, we will be doing it in the small group context. That your group will not just come together to pray together and and share with one another and grow together spiritually within the church, we will also then be going out onto the streets of our cities here in this region to share God's love in tangible ways with people who need Jesus. And so Nathan is working on that outside of the walls strategy, but as you know, uh, many of you know, some of you are brand new, and so this name won't mean anything to you. But Mike Tapper was the pastor who was responsible uh, in the past for much of this Reaching In initiative. As in, and as some of you know, he went to be uh, the chair of the religion department at Southern Wesleyan University. And so we have been searching since March, even before I was here. I started this job in July, but even as we were still living outside of the country, I was searching all across North America for the right person to lead the reaching in objectives of the church, all the adult ministry within the church and the development of our small groups. This is involved in overseeing our connect ministries, uh, the next steps of Alpha and Beta and Word and and our our, uh, ministries, everything outside of the care ministries that are overseen uh, by uh, David Way and his team, all the rest falls into this category. And so this is such an important job. And over the last few months, God has made it so abundantly clear to us that while we searched everywhere across Canada and the United States, that there was one name that came up again and again and again, and our board affirmed, and our staff affirmed, and God has affirmed to us that while we searched to the ends of the earth, the person was right here in Moncton, right here providing leadership in our church, and we want to announce our new community life pastor starting in January, Pat Steves. Would you come on up, Pat? Come on up, guys. and say is wow we won't keep you long if you want to stay standing you can
1: I just want to share with you guys just this this brief story of of how Pastor Joel has said that God has has put this all together uh, for many of you you may not know but uh, just two years ago my wife and I and our, our four kids we walked into Moncton Wesleyan for the first time we sat right up there in the balcony not many people knew who we were but we knew that God had led us here for a reason and I had been currently in, in youth ministry for over a decade. And I sat up there, and I thought, God, I know you've called me, but I felt like all the signs were, no one knows who I am, and this, this season of, my, of our life is over. And as I closed my eyes, I don't know if it was the first service or the fourth service, as I closed my eyes and just worshiped, I seen myself holding this microphone like I am right now. accepting a position on staff and so all I can say is wow God is good he has connected all of these dots and I was driving here with with our four kids this morning and I told them I said I believe that God has been God has been preparing me my entire life for this moment for some of you may not know but I, I started kindergarten here at At the christian school and i graduated
0: uh, a product of our christian school amen (laughs) and so thank you moncton christian academy the, the
1: teachers the teachers that are here and the principals that are here it has all been preparation for such a time as this and i'm so thankful for the foundation that this church has put in place over years and decades but my excitement is that god are you ready for it i believe that there are good things gonna happen in this church. Do you believe that? I, yeah. I want to go just a step farther. And I, and I want to say that the best things are yet to come. And I believe that God has put Pastor Joel here, and he has somehow orchestrated myself to be here, and, and Pastor Nathan and all the leadership team. And I believe that in the city of Moncton, for Moncton Wesleyan, the best is yet to come. Can you say amen, amen to that?
0: Amen. And, uh, What's really funny is he mentioned that he had envisioned this, but I didn't know that, and he did not actually seek this out. Uh, That What happened was, months ago, uh, Mike Tapper, the guy who left that position back in March, who everybody loved, said, you know who I would hire? I would hire a guy right there at Moncton Wesleyan called Pat Steves." And I'm like, I don't even know who that is. And uh, our district superintendent, Peter Moore, uh, back in in the, the end of March, sent me an email, said, you know who I would hire? I would hire a guy right there at the church named Pat Steves And I'm like, I don't know who this guy is. And uh, Dr. Buckingham said, if I could hire one person right now on our staff, his name would be Pat Steves And I'm like, I don't know who this guy is. And so back in July, we began, uh, I began covertly watching Pat in ministry context and in leadership and praying, and, uh, and no offense to Pat, uh, but I tried really hard to hire somebody else. <laughs> but God made it abundantly clear, and especially we've been meeting together over the last six or seven weeks now uh, on a regular basis, talking strategy and vision and praying together, and it was just this week on Monday night that our board offered him the full-time position starting in January. And so what I wanna do is I noticed, I'm gonna have you stand in just a second, I noticed that when you took the mic and began to speak, everybody sat down. I don't know what that says about how long you talk. We'll work on that. Yeah, <laughs> and so, <laughs> but so let's go ahead and have, uh, have a moment on your feet and if you would, raise your hands forward As we pray God's anointing and blessing on the Shannon family in this transition, they have a lot of uh, personal business to work out over the next couple of months as they get ready to take this step of faith. Uh, Father, we thank you for their children. We thank you for the way that you have anointed and blessed this family. We thank you for their marriage and the lessons that you have taught them, preparing them for a season like this in ministry. And God, we pray your anointing upon them that you would prepare the way, that you would work out the details, and that you would anoint them for powerful ministry, for transformational ministry within this church and around our region and to the ends of the earth. And everybody say, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. You are dismissed. Thank you.